Hi listeners, stories have so much power and so does whoever controls the narrative. It is time that we dissect and analyze these stories. I am Vipul and this is Vogue Tales. Hi everyone. The treatment of the indigenous people of the US is a story of massacres, assault, lies, and betrayals that were wiped out from the pages of American history books by two words. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving 2021 marks the 400th anniversary of the quote-unquote first American Thanksgiving. Most Americans are taught the same story that pilgrims sat together with natives to share a meal. and thank them for helping with the successful first harvest but that story has been proven to be riddled with mistruths for this episode i bring you a story of a young native powhatan pocahontas she is the first disney princess of color and is a real person in history but before i narrate the story i want to introduce today's guest ho chunk nation storyteller and tribal member andy cloud who is the first Madison Public Library storyteller in residence. Hi Andy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Can you please tell a little bit about yourself and your role as a storyteller in residence? Yes, um well this is the first storyteller in residence for the Madison Public Library. I went through an application process and was selected um in midsummer. and i started my residency in october and it's it's going to be ending uh in december in the middle of december so it's been two months it's been nice my background as a storyteller i think i i started very young and it's just taken since my youth and you know being in high school and then college kind of um my traveling i've done a lot of traveling and met a lot of people and so and kind of just talking to people i think that's where um a majority of my storytelling experience goes to but then there's also uh my tribal stories that i have and also some other tribal stories from other tribes that i have as well so it's kind of Uh I think to me I'm kind of well-rounded but still got a lot more to go. That's awesome. I guess the world of storytelling is an ocean which is so deep and vast. The stories and experiences is a journey of life, right? Yes, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I'm still I mean I don't think you ever stop learning. <laughs> I think that's the whole part of this journey that we all have and and meeting different people and I just want to thank you and um I'm really happy to be here. I'm so glad that you could join and thank you for doing this. So because this is a Thanksgiving special episode, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? And do you have any traditions associated with it? Well, Thanksgiving to me 
you know, given the history of, of the first Thanksgiving and what had really happened and just like rethinking Thanksgiving um, was, I was in college, I was taught or not really taught, but I learned uh, of the, what happened with the real Thanksgiving and how that was. And there was a couple of, um, we actually did a rethinking Thanksgiving meal and would talk about uh, different things kind of uh, regarding indigenous people of the United States and the things that we don't know. And there's just a whole caveat of different kinds of things that really happen, but we're not told that in school. Mm-hmm. And so my Thanksgiving growing up, I don't think we ever, we never re- reflected on the real Thanksgiving. We were never it was more of, um, you know, like the simple holiday that it is to a lot of families um, with the turkey pies, you know, um, and then there was different kind of indigenous food, um, ho-chunk indigenous foods to us. So we're talking about like venison, um, wild rice was a staple, squash, uh, Indian corn soup, fry bread, ever since I was young, we've always met as a huge family and ate together. And then um, when I was a young girl, my uncle Tracy would actually take us to the movies after we ate. And that was kind of like a little tradition for, for our family, for my brothers and sisters, we'd go with our uncle to go watch the Mighty Ducks or whatever flick was playing at that moment in time. And so I think in college, it really became a remembering and kind of a waking up to, to what it, what Thanksgiving really, really is. And, um, and it's not taught, you know, and I think that's one of the things that is missing and one of the disconnects that we have um, teaching and thinking about Indigenous people, because there's a lot of hurt that that indigenous people overall have and that history is kind of left in the shadows it's kind of hidden you got to really really uh search for those the, you know in those dark places for it and sure enough it will it's there and spotlights are rarely ever shown upon those things and it's unfortunate it really is but i know the truth today um, and I can speak about it, I can talk about it and have really meaningful conversations about it because there's a lot of trauma that is also felt within my, my own tribe and all these other tribes. Um, and that trauma is a lot of times is ignored as well. And it's kind of like covered where you don't really get into it. Right. And seeing people celebrating quote unquote positive myth around Thanksgiving can be frustrating and painful for many, especially indigenous people. Um, some tribes view the holiday as a day of mourning. However, like all groups, natives are not a monolith and have a different perspective on Thanksgiving. But I really like your idea about rethinking Thanksgiving meal. Um, my first exposure to the day was by watching American television while I was in India. And since the time I've moved to the US, I've gotten a better understanding of the day and my perspective has changed over time. I'm talking about perspective. I'm looking forward to get your perspective on today's story. 
But before we get into the story, I want to add that despite what many people may believe, due to long-standing and inaccurate accounts in the history books and movies, such as Disney's Pocahontas, the true story of Pocahontas is not one of a young native woman who dove off of mountain-like cliffs off the coast of Virginia. By the way, there are no cliffs on the coast of Virginia. But the true story of Pocahontas is a tale of tragedy and heartbreak. But for this episode, I will narrate Disney's version because it is a popular narrative which is passed on. And so we need to dissect and analyze that. On that note, it's story time. In 1607, a ship carrying British settlers sailed for North America on behalf of the Virginia Company in search of gold and other material riches. Among those on board are Captain John Smith and Governor Radcliffe. A storm erupts and Smith saves the life of an inexperienced young settler named Thomas when he falls overboard, befriending him in the process. In the Powhatan tribe in Senecomaca, now Virginia, Pocahontas, the beautiful daughter of Chief Powhatan, fears being possibly wed to Kokum, a brave warrior whom she sees as too serious for her own free-spirited personality. She asks the advice of the talking tree spirit named Grandmother Willow. Grandmother Willow tells Pocahontas to listen to her heart and she may understand. The British settlers land in what will now become Virginia and dig for gold under Radcliffe's orders. Less concerned with gold, John departs to explore the wilderness and encounters Pocahontas. They quickly bond, fascinated by each other's worlds, and end up falling in love. Back at the settlement, Powhatan has sent some scouts to learn more about the new arrivals. But they were spotted. Governor Radcliffe assumes that this is an ambush and one of the warriors is shot. The warriors retreat and Powhatan declares that the white men are dangerous and that no one should go near them. When John tells Pocahontas that his men and he are here to find gold, she tells him that there is no gold. When Pocahontas returns to her village, she finds that warriors from the neighboring tribes have arrived to help Powhatan fight the settlers. Back at the English fort, John tells Radcliffe there is no gold in the land, which Radcliffe does not believe. Thinking that the natives have hidden the gold for themselves, he declares that they will eliminate them all. That night, Pocahontas' best friend, Nakoma, catches her sneaking off and informs Kokum that she has gone. Meanwhile, John sneaks out of the fort, and Radcliffe orders Thomas to follow him. Pocahontas and John meet in the glade where both Pocahontas and Grandmother Willow convince John to try talking to Chief Powhatan to resolve the conflict. Both Kokum and Thomas watch from the shadows as John and Pocahontas kiss. Kokum attacks John, but even as he's successfully being pushed off, Thomas intervenes and kills Kokum. Hearing voices approaching, John tells Thomas to run. A group of natives takes John prisoner, thinking he's the murderer and that John attacked Kokum instead. And Powhatan announces that he will be executed at dawn before the war with the settlers begin. Thomas returns to the fort and warns the English settlers of John's capture. Radcliffe then rallies his men to battle using this as an excuse to annihilate the tribe and find their non-existent gold. Morning comes and Powhatan and his tribe drag John to the cliff overlooking a clearing for execution. 
before Powhatan can strike, Pocahontas throws herself over John, telling him that if her father kills John, then he will have to kill her too. Powhatan orders her to stand aside, but she refuses and tells him that she loves John and that Powhatan must see where the path of hatred has brought them, asking him to choose his own path. Powhatan thinks about his daughter's words and realizes that Kokum wouldn't have wanted them to have a war. He lowers his club and orders John to be set free, convincing his troops to stand down and not attack. Radcliffe, who was still unmoved, orders the settlers to fire anyway, but they refuse, wanting peace after seeing John released. Radcliffe fires at Chief Powhatan himself, but John pushes the chief aside and is shot instead. The settlers turn on Radcliffe, capturing him and sending him back to England to await punishment for high treason. John is nursed back to health by the tribe, but must return to England for his wounds to fully heal. Radcliffe is also sent back to England to face punishment for his crimes against the settlement. John asks Pocahontas to come with him, but she chooses to stay with her tribe to help keep the peace. John leaves without Pocahontas, but with Powhatan's blessing to return any time he likes. Pocahontas, standing atop of a cliff, watches as the ship carrying John departs. The end. So, Andy, have you seen Disney's Pocahontas? I have, yeah. Did you watch it when it came out or later? And what were your thoughts when you watched it? And have they changed over time? Yeah, so I was 12 when Pocahontas came out and hit theaters. And I had to actually look back and um, see when it was, when it came out. It came out in 95. And I just remember, I remember going to the theater to see it. I remember Miko because he made me laugh. He was like my favorite. Um, but it was just, you know, a young girl yet. And I think the interest is that it was a Native story or Disney's, you know, romanticized storyline. Same storyline that they give all their kind of films is like this, like Disney princess kind of-esque feel. And um yeah, I remember every all of that. And and then from there, I've watched it ever since. But now I kind of like cringe when I see it. It's like, oh, I, um, I wouldn't let like my, I don't know, if I had children, I don't think I would let them see it. Or yeah. if I would, it'd be like, they'd have to be like much older so I could talk to them about the real story and how this could never be. But so it is a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, a very, very, very highly dramatized depiction that Disney gives. There's so many things, one right after the other, things that happened in the movie that didn't happen in real life. True. And like you said, the interest was that it's a Native story. And there is representation. So a young child watching the movie can see themselves as the main character which I guess is one positive aspect. So there's visibility in telling this native story, but it is a tainted visibility because it's a simplistic version and shows that everything worked out and was hunky-dory in the end, which we all know is not true. Right, yeah, definitely. I think um, think Disney overall, and I mean, they've done different backgrounds and 
when it comes to their characters is very very fantasy very you know the narrative is very different than you know what would normally happen and a lot of their characters I mean if you just look at the imagery it's kind of the same nothing really changes and especially with Pocahontas I feel that you know you have a girl she's really long hair you know that's kind of uh, stereotypical and then she has this kind of leather, one-shouldered, skimpy dress she wears. And it's just just so, like, crazy. And it's very, like, objectifying. It's crazy how these films are, you know, are, you know, all all children watch these films. And that's where they're getting their first basis of, oh, Native Americans, you know, I've seen Pocahontas. I know, you know, you guys pick corn or you guys... um, you know, and then savages is a word that comes up in the film. And I was, at the time, I think as a kid, you not really think about that. But now it's like, I don't like that word. Um, that word is very disparaging, very derogatory term when you're referring to indigenous people. Yeah, the stereotype and objectification is crazy. The story has a lot of historical inaccuracies as well, like Pocahontas was 10 or 11 years old and the story changes her from a little child to a young woman to glamorize and sexualize her and to romanticize the fictional relationship between John Smith and her, which which is promoting the romanticized, whitewashed, inaccurate version of history to the audience, which is racially problematic, but also problematic from a feminist perspective when we talk about the objectification of female characters for the male gaze. Yeah, I, I, you know, doing the research and I know about Pocahontas is that she was about 10 or 11 when she first met John Smith. And John Smith was actually, there's a lot of Native tribes that were scared of John Smith because he'd hold them at gunpoint and uh, demand like um, harvest and food from the natives of the East Coast. So her saving him and like draping herself over his body uh, to protect him from her father, that whole scene is just not real. It's very far-fetched that she would do that. Yeah, he says in the beginning of the story that I'll take care of these quote-unquote savages as I've done in the past. So it wasn't his first time initiating the colonization. So he wasn't this good guy as depicted in the story. And since Pocahontas is a real person, have you heard of her in native history or legends? Because for a lot of people, the only source of Pocahontas's story is a Disney movie and not the real person who she was. Right. So for me, um, that's how I started to know Pocahontas was from the Disney version. And then I think in uh, my middle school years, we were taught that she was a person that she did meet John Smith. But I mean, it was she was younger than him. And then it kind of glossed over like that certain whole like her teenage years up to like, oh, she's marrying she married John Rolfe and he took her to Europe. That was the basic kind of uh, nutshell that I was given as, as a learner, as a student. And then it wasn't until college 
that I learned that she had been raped and that she had actually died on the way back from Europe. She was coming home. And those two pieces of information were the only things I've learned. And then since, you know, us being in this podcast together, I kind of looked into more of it and uh, found a whole, you know, um, her entire story. And it is very tragic. It's very dark. And it's disheartening to read it and to know that, you know, that is the princess, you know, this quote unquote princess. Um, I don't think anywhere in indigenous tribe that there are princesses. I don't think that's a word that's um, made up because I don't think there was any princesses and uh, you know any chief's daughter they would not be called princesses so I think that's one of the things that we have to kind of recheck and that's just one thing but yeah her story is very very different from what we see on screen right not only did she endure being kidnapped and raped she also endured emotional abuse and trauma and died when she was around 21 years old. It's crazy that she isn't just a made-up character. She was a young Native girl who had her stories stolen and glamorized. Which actually brings me to my next point, that I think the reason the narrative has been so popular, not among the Natives, but among the white Americans, is that it's very flattering to them. The underlying idea of a quote-unquote good Native comes across. She admires white culture and wants peace with the colonizers, willing to live with them. The whole idea makes people in white American culture feel good about the history, that they were not doing anything wrong to the natives, but really were helping them, civilizing them. And the quote-unquote good ones appreciated it. And extrapolating it to today's perspective, not only is this true for natives, but also for the people of color and this quote-unquote good immigrant troop is being pushed on them and in the society. And USA is like a melting pot where you dilute your culture to be part of the dominant white American culture is problematic, right? Um, And in the past, the term savages was used for the natives and now the black and brown population is considered violent or Uh, not peaceful or law-abiding. So this good native and good immigrant is kind of the same concept, that everyone who isn't white American needs to follow or assimilate into the dominant culture. Well, I think what Hollywood gives us, and, you know, especially is true in in this film, and in Pocahontas, I mean, is that idea of the good Indian, the noble Indian, you're going to do what's right and you know you're gonna want peace and then I mean there's you know the bloodthirsty savage who is reckless and you know he's not gonna he's gonna stand up he's gonna fight and he wants to kill and that's where you get like the the ideas of scalping and war paint and war path kind of um, vocabulary and then Indian is the key word that was used to describe indigenous people but there's also this kind of this earth indian who communes and and lives on the land and is and in a part all parts of those are true 
but I think when you think about indigenous people, you're getting one image in your mind that keeps on popping up, you know, and it's all from film. And it's unfortunate that it is from film because that's how you think about uh, native people. It's like they live in teepees, uh, they have a buffalo hunt and it's so much more than that. And I think with all these different cultures, it's, it's beautiful that we live in a nation that is right now waking up to embracing these differences in these many different cultures. I embrace immigration myself is because, you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone besides Native people are immigrants. And I think that makes us richer in this country, uh, you know, culturally richer. Um, and I don't like that idea of a melting pot. I've heard that before. And I know the idea of it. It is, you know, what you say, it's kind of like being that pinnacle patriot person who's going to do everything for country and um, we do have bad things that happen in this country but there's also a lot of good things that are happening in this country and those are the things we have to focus on but we also have to repair the hurt and the trauma and the damage that has been done to these people to the black people to native people to all these different immigrant people that have come and that's one of the things we have to we have to voice it and we have to give it airtime we have to talk about it and you know have those hard conversations and it's not starting yet I think we're you know kind of hitting the surface of it and then there's a whole way to go on it yet and you know that's to say true to myself and my people in our hardship, there is still trauma that affects us now. I mean, you pass that trauma onto your children if you don't recognize it, talk about it and get help with it. And uh, I think a lot, a lot of us just kind of roll with emotions every day, day in, day out, and kind of get through life that way. But we can't, we got to stop and, and just stop and slow down and start addressing these traumas that have happened. And I think there is a lot of it out there, but I think once we do get into these conversations and tell our stories, our stories are so important. That's why as storytellers, you know, we have to be there. We have to be leading and guiding these stories because everyone you know, they might not look at, you know, you look at a person, you walk down the street. I mean, there are people that are coming from a different life. They're coming from a different home. They're coming from a different time and a different place. And it's, if you take time out of your day and you settle down and you talk to a person, you answer a question, you ask a question, their stories, they'll open up. They will tell you. And that's the way that we're going to stop this violence. We're going to stop the hate is if we tell these stories, if we start reaching across and kind of reinventing, wouldn't it be great if we reinvented Thanksgiving, if we reinvented how we think and how, we, how we're grateful for one another, how we learn from one another and 
especially now, I think it's more pertinent than ever. It's more poignant than ever that we do this. We have to. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are telling their stories. And, I, and all I have to say is more. We need more people to be storytellers. We need more, you know, programs like this storyteller in residence of the Madison Public Library and Ho-Chunk Gaming, you know, teamed up to bring me here. And, um, and I'm going to be here and I'm ready to sit down and ready to talk. And I need it too. You know, all storytellers do. And that's what makes us live. That's what makes us go on our journey is telling our stories and then hearing other stories because we carry those stories with us no matter where we go. You know, we have a piece of every person that we've ever talked to. And um, I think to think about it that way, we kind of repair and we, uh, we're resilient. And, and that resiliency is strengthened when we do acts like that, when we talk about the things that have trauma, you know, have hurt us the most. Yes, yes. And so many yeses to everything you said. Everything I completely agree with. It is so important to understand, acknowledge, and repair, and not just move on, because whatever happened was in the past. And I'm saying in the past, but we all know that things are still happening and are not perfect or equal for everyone. And talking about the movie, if we watch it, then having the conversation about the real story and the problematic narrative, like you said, is so important. So on a positive note, what did you like about the movie? I think the nature part, I would say, because indigenous tribes, we, we care about the land. Right. We care about the animals and, you know, the winged, the winged animals, the two-legged, <laughs> the fish. So I guess that part of it, and it's not always about, you know, how um, Radcliffe wanted gold and Right. And it was funny when she's like, oh, yeah, we have a lot of that. She pulls out an <laughs> ear of corn. And it's like, yes, that's our gold. Because it is. I mean, it's like, you know, right now it's harvest time, um, especially here in the Midwest. And I, you know, want to thank our farmers for keeping us fed. But, you know, and there's a lot of um, indigenous thanks that we give to Earthmaker or Creator, God, however you want to. Um, the Ho-Chunk call them earth maker. And so there's a lot of uh, thanks we give. We pour tobacco and we, we give mm -hmm. thanks to earth maker for, for giving us sustenance, for giving us, you know, our corn and our squash and all the things that we're harvesting right now. We're going to be harvesting deer. You know, our, our guys are going to be going out and it's done uh, gun deer season next mm -hmm. or this weekend. And so um, our hunters, they'll lay, they'll pour tobacco and they'll pray and they'll ask for a good hunt so they can bring back that deer meat for us so we can feast on it. Um, and we do give feasts too. You know, we have feasts that we give to, to thank uh, Earthmaker and to thank uh, and to give those blessings to the family and the children. So I think that aspect of the movie kind of, you know, that appreciation for 
uh, relatives around you because in her song she sings about how she's related to the otter and how she's related to the wolf and and that's that those relationships are are very true in many indigenous cultures especially in the ho-chunk culture and i think the anishinaabe culture has this motto of we are all related and i think that's just so beautiful because it's so true because we are, you know, whatever we do, it's going to affect something else and everything, how we think, we think in circles and every, you know, whatever I do, it's going to come back to me somehow, way, shape or form. So thinking about the animals that are here, thinking about, um, you know, our earth, our, our land and our water um, and protecting those things, I think that comes comes kind of through in the in the film in the movie um and so i think that's a really good point right. and i think one of the things that one one more sorry here but one of the quote that i have always loved and i want to say as a native chief who said it but he said we live in a web of life whatever we do to the web we do to ourselves i love that and i think Pocahontas, the film, kind of had a good thing going on there. Yes, that is such a deep quote. We are one thread in that web of life, and whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. Wow. And you know, I also really like the nature part of the movie. It is so important to understand and realize the importance of nature, appreciate and respect it. Like right now, there's global warming, and native tribes are at the forefront of protecting water. So respecting nature is, I guess, one good message which, which comes across in the movie. And uh, my last question for you is that it's Thanksgiving. People can reflect and have conversation. But what would you suggest on how to support indigenous groups not only where we live locally, but also nationally. I think just by um, kind of reading up on indigenous issues is a good one. I know there's Indian country today, and I know that the National Congress of American Indians has stuff all the time, and that's ncai.org. Um, that's a good website if you're looking for like tribes around you. All these tribes have their own websites. It's just, I, I guess it's just a matter of finding out uh, what tribes are near you. And learn about the causes still affecting Native people like healthcare, land disparities, and obviously steer the people in your life away from harmful stereotypes against Natives that might appear in school curriculum, sporting events, or holiday decorations. And seek out native authors, activists, artists, and chefs and support their work. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sherman Alexie is really good. Mm -hmm. um, Leonard Peltier, he has his own uh, uh, biography nice. out. And um, Winona LaDuke is really good. She actually has honortheearth.org. That's actually a really good website. There's a lot of Native authors out there, and they're, they're doing tremendous work. Native filmmakers are doing really great work. Um, actually, there's Native Natives on, you know, we have uh, reservation dogs 
that's a new thing that just came out. So I'm really hyped about that. I haven't watched it yet. And um, my sister's going to chop me in half, but <laughs> she wants to watch that. Um, but yeah, we are, we're here. We're still here. We're proud. We're, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you want to learn, we're open arms and, um, you know, come, come and learn about the tribes around you. And we're all different. There's different languages, different ceremonies. Um, and different ways that we, you know, different feasts and different uh, ceremonies that we have. If you have a powwow near you, go to a powwow, go to a powwow, watch a fancy dance special. You know, I mean, that's have an Indian taco. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's where it's the best life ever. I, you know, I love being indigenous. I, I love being Ho-Chunk. So, and I'm here. Anybody can reach out to me. It's totally fine. I, you know, I'm, and I'd love to come back and do another show with the, with you again like this. This is fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'd love to have you back with a different story. And thank you for giving your perspective on the story of Pocahontas and sharing your thoughts about societal issues and implications. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you so much for having me on. On that note, bye for now. Bye. Let me know your thoughts on the story and our discussion by emailing me on woketalespodcast at gmail.com or through social media at woketalespodcast on Instagram and woketalespod on Twitter. And please rate, review and like Woketales Podcast and don't forget to subscribe so you can easily access our weekly stories. If you have any story recommendations or if you want to come dissect and analyze a story with me, give me a shout out on email or social media. Because whatever you do, keep dissecting and keep analyzing. <laughs>